Okay, let's find a seat, everybody. Let's find a seat. Lord, as we study your word, would you teach us today? Would you inspire us? Would you encourage us? Change our lives in Jesus' name. Everyone said amen. amen. Open your Bibles to Luke. I put chapter one. That's just to throw you off. Let's do chapter two. How about that? Dismiss it by chapter. Verse 1, now in those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that a census be taken of all the inhabited earth. And there was a first census taken while Quirinius was governor of Syria. Everyone was on his way to register for the census, each to his own city. Joseph went up from the Galilee, from the city of Nazareth. So where is Joseph living? Nazareth. To Judea in the south, the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house, the family of David. In order to register along with Mary, who was engaged to him, and she was with child. While they were there, the days were completed for her to give birth, and she gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him in clothing and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. In the same region, there were some shepherds staying out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night, and the angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terribly frightened. And the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring good news. Everyone say good news. More time, good news of great joy, which will be for all people. We're going to focus on verse 11. For today in the city of David, there has been born for you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Now, uh, uh, this is probably my favorite time of year. <clears throat> do, you, do you all enjoy this time of year? Hold your hand up. You enjoy this time of year? I enjoy it. And it's hard for some folk, but it's good to see family. It's good maybe to have a little downtime from work. But the greatest thing about today is not what's under your tree. <clears throat> and it's not what who's happens to be at your table or not at your table. The greatest thing for all of us are the 20 words found in verse 11. And so many people <clears throat> miss the whole reason for this and just don't get it. But these 20 words are history <clears throat> changing words. It changed my history, changed your history, changed the history of every nation. And frankly, I think they're the most beautiful words in history. Those 20 words. And I'm thinking as a pastor, I'm probably not going to do it justice. I mean, what mortal can do it justice? But I'm going to attempt. Now, when I was in school years ago and doing journalism and working in the newspaper and radio station business, <clears throat> we were always taught, you got to ask those six questions, those six special words. And whenever, whenever I study the scriptures and look at a text, I want to ask the same words. <clears throat> Who, <clears throat> what, 
where, when, why, and how. And I've had great delight as I've been studying this, these 11 words this week to try to use those as a filter to help me get more meaning out of them. So let's start with the first part, say for today. <clears throat> One more time, say for today. And that is the when, today. Now, we do not, there's not a person on earth that knows the exact day. We celebrate the birth of Christ today, but we don't know the exact day. And maybe that's a good thing. Maybe the Father kept that from us, from making a too much of an idol from it. But we don't know the day. I don't think it really matters, but we're going to celebrate today. <clears throat> I'm going to always celebrate today. I'm going to celebrate the incarnation. I'm going to celebrate the birth of my Savior because it's the day that changed history. Well, it changed history in a ton of ways. It changed history how we just number history. If you've never figured out how we number history, you see the chart I've put up on the screen. The chart has B.C., which is before Christ. And then it has A.D., after Christ's birth. And A.D. stands for, does anybody know? The answer is always on the board. It's a Latin term, Anno Domini, which is the year of our Lord. And so history starts anew. So history declines till we get to the birth of Christ. Then it ascends after the birth of Christ. Now, these days may be special to you. I mean, they were special. The shepherds never forgot them. And their days where the Lord breaks in can be very special. How many can think of a day when the Lord broke into your life and it just completely changed your life? I was... I didn't see it coming on Monday, but on Tuesday, my life was completely changed. How does that happen? It's because heaven broke into my life and changed my life forever. Here's a, here's a painting of the Osama bin Laden of his generation, Saul of Tarsus, a murdering destroyer who became Paul the Apostle, all because of a day when heaven broke in. And we just watch people have their days when heaven breaks in. Here's Jacob, the liar, the cheat, running from his life. And he has a day. I've seen the hill where it happened from a distance, the hill of Bethel, where he had a dream. And heaven opened over him. And he felt a calling. And his life was completely changed. His name went from Jacob to Israel. And then we see Moses, who had just kind of given up on his life. He had no hope. He felt a call at age 40, but he had lost the call at age 80. By the way, never give up, never retire. You keep serving the Lord as long as you have breath. At age 80, he had an encounter with the Holy One who manifested in a burning bush. And then we see David. It's just a regular day, this 13, 14, maybe 15-year-old. He's the runt of the family. No one would have ever picked him, but God picked him. And the man of God showed up and said, I'm going to anoint the next king of Israel. So one day changed his life completely, and one day can change your life. One day for that son that you've been praying for all this year, one day can change that boy's life. When heaven breaks into his life, we see it all the time 
And I just want to say, the Holy One, I call him the great initiator. You think you found God? You didn't find God. He was looking for you. I tell people I didn't find the Lord. He had his foot on the back of my neck, pushing my face across asphalt till I finally said, okay, I surrender. He is a great initiator. Amen. And this book that we love is a history book. It's a record book of how God initiates with men and women and boys and girls. Look for him to initiate with you. Block out time so you can respond to him, so you can be in his presence and hear what he says. And you always want to do what Mary said. Yes, Lord, be it done to you. Be it done to me as you have declared. And then we see uh, today in the city of David, everyone saying the city of David. <clears throat> this is a modern picture of the city of David. I've been there three or four times. That is the where. It is a precise location. The scripture is completely true. Archaeology and history proves the scripture. It has never disproven one single verse. It always proves it. You can rely on the truth of this book. This book is holy and inspired. And this is the where. It is a birthplace of the great king, King David. A man with flaws, but a man who loved God with all of his heart. And Bethlehem, that's why it was called the city of David. Everyone say the city of David. And that is located, I mean, it's just, I mean... Downtown Nicholasville is about nine miles from here. So just picture from Jerusalem, Bethlehem is just a short hop, skip, and a jump into the Judean hills. And if you look on the map there, you see the Galilee in the north, Samaria right here in the middle, and then we see Jerusalem right here and Bethlehem. See it right there? Everyone see it? Hello, everyone see it? That's right there. <clears throat> Maps are very important to understand what the Lord is doing. Now, in the Old Testament, there's actually two Bethlehems. There's one in the north and there's one in the south. You may not know that. And this Bethlehem is called Bethlehem Ephrathah. Say it, please. Ephrathah. And it means fruitful. It was a very fruitful, fertile, productive place. And that is a place where Jacob lost his wife, Rachel, who died giving birth to her son. Now, this is a photograph of the tomb or mausoleum that has been built and added onto, and that's probably where Rachel's buried. Now, I've been by it. You know, in a bus going about 30, 40 miles an hour, <clears throat> didn't get to stop. And it's all kind of stuff has grown up around it. You could hardly even notice it. But I want you to know the scripture is all one story. All the counts and all the names and all the people, they flow into his story. And that's what we celebrate today. Bethlehem was famous to be being the home of Boaz, that older gentleman that had never married, and he, beautiful love story with Ruth, who was a Moabite, 
Actually, that's where Jordan is today, and it's where they met. She had, her husband had died during a famine, and, she, and the Lord brought her to this wonderful man. It's a great love story. Read it sometime this week. And they had a son, a miraculous son, because she didn't have children with her first husband. He had never had a child. They didn't know if they would ever have a child. But they had a child, and what was the boy's name? Don't say Rudolph, please. Don't say Frosty. What was the name of the child? Does anybody know? Obed. Obed was the child's name. You could imagine the joy. (laughs) Did someone say Jesus? Did I hear that? Jesus is the answer most of the time, you know? Fill in the blanks. This is Jesus and God and the Bible, okay? Obed, which is really cool. Now, Obed had a son, and his name was? Jesse. You may not think about, you may not think this way, but the Lord has been working in your family for hundreds of years. Hundreds of years he's been working behind the scenes to bring healing, to open doors, to bring good people your way, to teach your family things. And somebody prayed you into the kingdom. I do not know who prayed me into the kingdom, but somebody in my family line was a praying woman, a praying man, and prayed me into the kingdom. Now, Jesse had a bunch of sons, and David was which number? Bible trivia, Christmas Day. What number? Number, very good, number eight. Basketball team and three subs. He was number eight. He was the one nobody would pick. He was the one that everyone looked over. He was the one out tending sheep when the other brothers, wow, look at that tall athletic guy. What a good looking articulate man. It must be him. Nope, not that one. How about this one? Wow, no, not that one. How about that one? Lord, none of these boys, do you have another son, Jesse? Well, we got a son, but he's a little slow, and he's this, he's that. We're not going to do anything until he comes. Go get him. And that boy became the founder of the Messianic line because the Lord made a promise, because he was a man after God's heart. There will come a time... There will never cease to be someone on the throne from your family. And that was a promise of the Messiah. Now Bethlehem was prophesied to be the birthplace of the Messiah, which is miraculous. This is a photograph of kind of the plaza in front of the church of the nativity. Uh, Actually, the entry is way at the back, and the door is kind of small. They had to close the door off because invaders were riding horses in there and desecrating it. And it's actually a complex of four or five churches and these different Christian sects fight about who's responsible that day. It's this typical church, you know. We're going to fight about who's responsible for this. And this is Constantine, the emperor who became a Christian. His mother was a great follower of Christ and she went to the Holy Land because she wanted to try to identify the sites. She, she missed a bunch of them. <clears throat> some of them may be the right place, but some of them she absolutely nailed, and this is one she absolutely nailed. 
And she asked her son, we got to preserve this place where my Savior was born, and I want you to build a beautiful church over the top of it. And that's what he paid to do. I just thought today, been to Bethlehem three or four times. I've never been there on Christmas. I just thought, man, that would be awesome to be there on Christmas Day and see Christians from around the world worshiping. And because of COVID, they have been shut down for a couple of years. And there's a lot of tension in that area. But I'm going to guess today they have celebrated our Savior all day long and into all week. And people, every language, color, nationality, because they all love Jesus. This is most probably the shepherd's field we just read about. It is a short distance from the church and the nativity. It's really cool to stand on the hill and try to look over that and try to picture this being the very place where the first people that got the good news were tending their sheep. Pretty awesome. It's called the shepherd's field today. And I want you to read with me this prophecy that spoke clearly. There's like 200 prophecies in scripture that talk about Jesus and his coming. This is only one of them. Would you read it with me, please? 700 years before he was born. 700 years. But you, O Bethlehem, Ephrathah, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from of old, from ancient days, which means our Savior had no beginning and he had no end, but he took on human form and came to the earth on this day. Now, change scenes. To understand the text, you need to change scenes. 1,400 miles away in Rome, political leader Caesar Augustus, and from the bust of Caesar Augustus, this is the drawn likeness probably of what this handsome, powerful man looked like. He was a great nephew of Julius Caesar and was adopted by Caesar And uh, I don't know. You've probably never heard of a government wanting more money and taxes. Have you ever heard of that? That's so odd, so strange. We would never experience that today. And so he needed revenue. There's nothing holy about this. He needed revenue. He was on the throne for like 41 years, and he practically doubled the Roman Empire. Could you imagine doubling the land area of this huge empire. And if you were born in August, any of you born in August, hold your hand up. Do we have any August people born in August? Okay. The month of August is named after this man. So what he did, he just made an executive order. He's sitting on his throne. He's got 20 leaders around him. He's got scribes. He said, this is what's going to happen. I'm making a decree. And it's going to go through all the provinces. I don't want you to get on it. What's the decree? I want everybody in my empire to go to their hometown. Everybody. Because that's the only way we can count them. We have to literally count them with a scroll. Somebody's got to look at them. They got to sign in. They got to give us their name. 
We got to have the town. We want to know what they do for a living. We want to know how old they are. <clears throat> so everybody's got to go to their hometown. That's part of the Christmas story. And this guy, this pagan ruler, his decision actually fulfilled the prophecy of Micah. Isn't that amazing? There's a map. See Galilee? You see Nazareth in the north? There was a lot of racial and religious tension between Jews and Samaritans. They didn't like each other. So a Jew in the north would not come right through Samaria. Jesus did. But everybody else wouldn't. So they went around it. So they went on the other side of the Jordan. They came to Jericho. They came to Jerusalem. And the young couple, that's how they came to Bethlehem to register. So Jesus was born in Bethlehem. Where is he born? Excuse me, where is he born? And this is a modern picture of Bethlehem. But he was raised in Nazareth. They were only there a short time. This is a modern picture of Nazareth. It's not Both of these are like one horse town. Very tiny, tiny, tiny places. Place. Today Nazareth has about 80,000 people living just like in the city limits. And I want you to read this verse. This is another prophecy. Read it with me, please. And he went and lived in a city called Nazareth, so that what was spoken by the prophets might be fulfilled, that he would be called a Nazarene. Prophecy fulfilled. And then the third part is, for today in the city of David, there has been born. Say it with me, please. There has been born. This is the how. This is the how of the Christmas story. And John wrote about this. John 1.1. In the beginning was the what? And the word was? And the word was God. Okay, see if you're, are you tracking with me? Who is the word? Jesus is the word. He is a communication. You want to know what the Father is like? Look at me. You want to know what the Father cares about? Look what I care about. You want to see how the Father loves people? Look at me. He is the Word. This book is the Word. It is His heart. It is His communication. And the rest of the verse, say it with me please. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld His glory. Glory of the only begotten from the Father who was full of grace and truth. Say that last phrase again please. Full of grace and truth. You know a lot of churches are full of grace. They love people. They help people. But they're not full of truth. There's other churches that are full of truth. I mean, with this by jingo, this is what God's word says. But they don't show a lot of grace to people. And there's a lot of Christians that way too. Let me tell you what Jesus was. He was full of grace. And he was full of truth. And that's what he wants us to be. And that's what he wants our church to be. Now, I just love the incarnation. I don't understand it. It is such a mystery But I just want to talk about the mystery of the incarnation where God became flesh. The Father sent the Son. This is what is mysterious to me. How could the omnipotent, omnipresent, omniscient Son of the living God, the Creator, the infinite, immeasurable Creator, 
How could he reduce himself down? Let's all try that. How could he reduce himself down to a finite human? Still God. 100% God, but 100% man. A tiny, helpless baby on this day we celebrate. That's a mystery. And the angels are probably going, how does this happen? We don't understand. We like it, but we don't understand. And the beauty, everyone say beauty, the beauty of the incarnation is that he would choose to do it. He would choose to become one of us. He would get tired. He would get frustrated. He needed to sleep. He needed to eat. He is a high priest. The scripture says that can identify with our weaknesses. You're struggling today. He understands. You're broken hearted. He cares. You don't know what you should do. He wants to help you. Because he became one of us. And then the third just simple part of the of the incarnation, that is the necessity. Everyone say the necessity of the incarnation. Why was it a necessity? For redemption to take place. For us to be forgiven. God needed a perfect sacrifice. And there were like 2,500 years of examples of sacrifices where animals lost their lives and their precious blood was illustrated. Life is in the blood and sin is costly and brings death. But it never was a final solution. There had to be a final solution because all of us are perfectly sinful. We have this rebellious, headstrong, broken way that we all have and he's the perfectly sinless one it's the only way we could be saved only it would take a perfect man born of a virgin that was not tainted with human blood the perfect man Jesus Christ is the only way he could satisfy our sin debt Forever in the eyes of a holy God. This is what we celebrate. This day in the city of David has been born for you. Everyone say for you. Turn to your neighbor and say for you. Turn to your other neighbor and say for you. Turn to a stranger and creep him out and say especially for you. That is the who. It's for you. All this is for you. All this is for me. And did you know that by doing so, he just communicated how important you are to him. Yes, it was for the shepherds, but it was for everyone because we are important to him. He loves us. He cares deeply about us. The devil will tell you he does not care for you. But Christmas tells us he cares enough to come. He cares enough to care. 
and he knows everything about us. We can't surprise him. He knows what we're going to say before we even say it. He knows what's going to happen next week. And he still cares. And he cares and he's for us. Which means he's always willing to help. He's always willing to get us back. And then a savior. I love that word, a savior. That's the why. The one who would come for us. I remember as I guess I was three or four years of age living in West Virginia. My family took, uh, my mom and dad took my brother and I to a lake. I remember the lake. I don't remember where it was in Virginia. And my brother was jumping around and splashing in the lake. It was just a beautiful, nice little idyllic setting. And I, as a three-year-old, tried to copy my brother, and I'm going out jumping in the water. I didn't realize I jumped into a hole with my mouth open and disappeared under that lake water. And my 200-pound father, who was an excellent swimmer, grabbed me, put me in the grass, And got that water out of my lungs. And saved my life. My father came for me. And that's what Christmas is about. A savior is somebody who rescues you from danger when you cannot rescue yourself. How many have been in situations where you could not rescue yourself? You You were just done. And, you know, I have found about 90% of people become Christians before they're age 19, about 90%. The other 10% usually have to go through tragedy and heartache before they realize they need a Savior. And I just look for people going through tragedy and heartache and love them and try to offer them that there's somebody who cares for them. And then he claims us as his own. The wonderful thing is when a person becomes a follower of Christ, you're adopted into the family. You, 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 you didn't belong the day before, now you belong. You were in the kingdom of darkness, now you're in the kingdom of light. The devil was your father, now the heavenly father is your father. And he claims us, he marks us. The scripture says he engraves us on his hand, and his hand must be bigger than the sun with all those names of people that he holds next to his heart. And just to go back to Matthew chapter 1, when Matthew was when Matthew was talking about Joseph saying, I can't marry this woman. She's pregnant. I don't know what to do. And then the angel said, he will save his people from their what? From their what? Their sins. What's the greatest danger a mortal has? To die in their sins. That's the greatest danger. Mankind's greatest need, if it was for an educator, education or information, he would have sent an educator, right? If mankind's greatest need was wealth, he would have sent an economist. If mankind's 
greatest need was health. I have people tell me, especially folk that get a little older, oh, the greatest gift is your health. You have your health, you have everything. Uh, no, that's not true. And if the greatest need was political stability, he would have sent us a king or a governor, but that's not what he sent. He sent a savior because we needed forgiveness. In the eyes of a holy God, we needed forgiveness. We needed forgiveness. That's what Christmas is about. And then it says, who is Christ? And that is the who again. The who is us and the who is him. Now this word Christ, if you don't know what it means, can I just share a little bit? Christ means the anointed one. It means the one that got chosen. In ancient Israel, kings and priests were anointed at the beginning of their work with holy oil and it meant that they were chosen when you receive christ you are chosen and you're anointed with the oil of the holy spirit jesus is both our priest and our king and so christ is jesus's title it is his title It is the Greek equivalent for the Hebrew word Messiah. When Jesus asked his 12, who do men say that I am? Up by Philippi in the north, they said this and they said that. But Peter said, I know who you are. You're the Christ. Everyone say the Christ. You're the Christ, the son of the living God. It is his title. And it also means king. You're the anointed one. You're the anointed king. You're the Messiah. You're the one we're all waiting for. You're the king of all kings and the Lord of all lords. And the last thing that's recorded that the angel said before they disappeared. Who is Christ the Lord. Everyone say Lord. You know what Lord means? Do you know what that means? The word, the Greek word for Lord is called Kyrios. Everyone say Kyrios. And it is the most common name for God in the New Testament. Kyrios. It's used over 700 times in the New Testament. Can you see the thread? Can you see the meaning? Can you see why this is important? We call him Lord. And Lord means master. It means ruler. It means boss. One that has the power. One that has the authority. And Jesus, the one we celebrate today and every day, he is the Lord of everything. Everything. You're on the right team. Everything. He has all power, all authority in his hands. This is just what he does. Because he's the Lord. Who is Christ the Lord? Now, if he's not Lord of your life, Jesus said, why do you call me Lord and don't do what I ask you to do? So he can be your Savior and not be your Lord, which is not very smart. You're in the you're in the kingdom but you don't look like it you don't act like it you don't live like it if he's not your lord if he's not your boss if he's not your master then what happens 
Someone else is your Lord, and it's probably you. And you're missing out on the very best. You're missing out on what really matters in life. The only problem I have is not people, not with church, not with my family, not with political stuff. It's not with the devil. The only problem I have is making Jesus Lord on a daily basis. That's the only problem I have. If I make him Lord, I thrive. Now here's the reason why. And you need to ask yourself, is Jesus the Lord of your life? Amen. We need a front row for that kid. A front row. Whoa. The reason he wants to be Lord is he knows you and I are not capable of running our life very well. Many people think they are, but, and I have thought I was, and I was completely deluded because I have proved I have a great gift for messing my life up. I want to close with this story. Worship team, would you guys come out? I shared it at the musical. Someone said to me, Pastor, you got to share that on Sunday too. That is so powerful. <clears throat> this kind of reminds me of me. This guy, Jimmy Grimes, went on a cruise, Carnival Cruise Line. Some of you may be leaving tomorrow to do this, so maybe this is for you. <clears throat> so he goes with family members on a Carnival Cruise. <clears throat> The day before Thanksgiving, this is good old Jimmy boy, and he and sister are in the bar, which is not a good thing to do unless you're witnessing. Real late at night, and old Jimmy boy actually won an air guitar contest. So he was real happy. He was all all about himself, and he decided to leave the room at 11 o'clock and try to find a restroom. And he never found the restroom because that's the last time they saw good old Jimmy Boy. Jimmy Boy, look at that big ship. I guess he thought in his inebriated mind, I maybe shouldn't have said that because that's not in the story. But in his mind, he decided he needed some fresh air and he apparently wandered onto the deck. And the next thing, he didn't even know it. He fell over the railing into the frigid ocean of the Gulf. And he said this when they rescued him. I did not even remember falling. I regained consciousness in the frigid water. And I looked around, and I looked around, and I looked around, and there was no boat in sight. And old Jimmy Boy said, I have really messed up. How many have really messed up? Hold your hand up. I have really messed up this time for good. Well, his sister, who must love him with all her heart, did not report him missing until noon the next day which is, if I count that, it's about 13 hours. Nobody cared about Jimmy Boy, where Jimmy Boy was. He was missing. 
And finally, she got hold of the ship's captain and said, we can't find my brother. They put out the alert. And so they searched that mammoth ship, every room, every cubby hole, every deck chair for two hours. No Jimmy. For two hours they called the Coast Guard. The ship made that long looping turn to retrace her route in case they could find him in the Gulf of Mexico. Numerous Coast Guard crews were dispatched and they searched for him for six hours. No Jimmy boy in sight. How many wonder if Jimmy boy prayed or not? Would you guess he prayed? I guess he prayed. Whether he knows God or not, I bet old Jimmy boy prayed. Maybe he hadn't prayed in 20 years or 15 years, but he prayed. Maybe. And a cargo ship, a huge cargo ship, spotted something in the water, the cold water at 825 p.m. They immediately radioed the Coast Guard the coordinates. And in 20 minutes, a chopper was overhead. They found him 20 miles off the coast of Louisiana. Frantically, as the searchlight was on him, waving his hands, yelling, Do you see me? Please help me. I'm out of strength. I'm just about to go under. And so a rescue swimmer jumped out of the helicopter at about 50 feet above the water to save Jim. The rescue swimmer reached him, hugged him, pulled him to the basket. And the rescue swimmer said, the minute I put my arms around him, he completely collapsed with no energy. And the squad evaluated him and said he had somewhere between 30 seconds and 60 seconds of life left when we got him. He was treated for hypothermia for dehydration, treated for shock, but they saved the life of James Grimes. Here's what's amazing. I'm a pretty good swimmer. But I thought to myself, could I tread water in the cold ocean, salty, turbulent sea for 22 hours? And the rescue team asked him this question. How in the world did you survive? We don't know if we could have done it. How did you do it? He said, I have a fear. I have a fear of drowning. Like James, every person you will ever meet that doesn't know Jesus, they're lost. The scripture says Jesus came to seek and save that which was lost. And they have no hope 
because they have no place to turn. A counselor can't do it. Medication won't do it. Winning the lottery won't do it. Nothing can save them except they get rescue from above. That's the team that saved him right there. And I want to just close this time to focus on what we just read. The greatest perils, not sharks or schools of jellyfish or hypothermia or dehydration or drowning or being lost in sea and no one knows what happened to you. Our greatest peril is to die without Christ and not be forgiven of all the sins that have accumulated for decades and decades. All the horrible things we've said, the things we've done behind people's backs, the idolatry in our hearts, the sexual acting out, the drunkenness, the abuse, the lying, the thieving, and standing before holy God and give an account for our miserable lives. And yet the answer is what we read today. For today, in the city of David, has been born for you, and you, and you, and for me, a Savior. Everyone say Savior. Who is Christ the Lord. I want to close this time. There may be people, a lot of people watching online at home and maybe in countries all over the world. I just want to give you an invitation to make Jesus your Savior. To stop playing church, not trying to try harder, not trying to fix yourself, but letting go and letting the rescuer come and save you. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, every head bowed and every eye closed, If you'd like to be forgiven of every sin, if you'd like to be washed clean, if you'd like to make Jesus your Savior and Lord, this is your day. What a wonderful day. This is your day. So pray with me and mean it and say, Lord Jesus. Let's just all say it together, can we? Lord Jesus. One more time. Lord Jesus, I need you. I can't fix myself. Come into my heart and change me from the inside out. Forgive me for every sin and cleanse my heart. Give me a home in heaven, Lord, because I give you my life today. And I will serve you the rest of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you just prayed that prayer, hold your hand up right now. Just hold your hand up quickly. Hold your hand up quickly. When the service is over, there'll be some folks that'll minister to you and pray with you on both sides.
you stand with us this morning? Uh, just want to remind you the altars are open if you want to come and bow. have 
Thank you for joining us online at Church of the Savior today. We hope you are encouraged to grow in your walk with Jesus. If you made a decision to follow Jesus for the first time, please reach out to us. We would love to help you take your next step. Please visit our website for more information on upcoming events and how you can connect with the COS family. There is also a prayer request form where you can let us know how we can be praying for you. Thanks again for tuning in. Hope to see you next week.